I have to explain the sign a little bit. Uh, that's new this week. Um, I feel like I'm turning into maybe an older pastor of mine who used to have, we used to call him, his name was Pastor Brian, and we used to call him Brianisms. He always had little things that he would say that were a little bit different. And um, this word marinate kind of replaces the word meditation. And uh, so I said that a few weeks ago, and Joe and Amanda saw this and bought this for me. And again, to marinate on God's word. And, and you know, again, as I'm a man, I like a steak that's marinated, right? And what does it do? The marination just kind of seeps in, it breaks down, and it kind of softens us up. And again, it's a good metaphor, obviously, for us here as well. And this morning, we're going to meditate on Titus chapter 3. So if you brought your Bibles or your phone or app or the guys will have it on the screen as well up there. Man, they are good, good guys. I don't know if your ears were ringing this week or not, but um, we had district conference this week. Uh, PJ and I went out to Detroit Lakes. I now know where that is. That's a new place for me. Um, but we met with 90 other churches. There are 90 Alliance churches in Minnesota, eastern side of South and North Dakota. So I get to meet some of our other brothers in Christ. But I was bragging on you because you know what? I am proud of our church family here. And again, it's kind of interesting that we've been going through the book of Titus because Paul is doing the same thing by putting Titus there is to strengthen that church. In fact, we saw it right in, in chapter 1, right? Paul even states the reason why he left Titus there. The reason I left you in Crete was that you might straighten out what was left unfinished. And then he went into appointing elders, right? And we spent uh, one whole Sunday, one whole sermon talking about elders and how important they are and the qualifications for them. And we, we talked about the, the need for elders, the, the do's and the don'ts and what to look for. And again, I'd encourage you to pray for your elders. And again, that wasn't a one-week thing. I know your elders, you need to be praying for them continually and praying for them weekly. They're, they're all laughing back there saying, yes, Charlie, thank you for the reminder. Because guess what? In any given moment, there are decisions that come up that involve the church and how to deal with them. We had one this morning, and so it's, it's not uncommon. And guess what? We communicate throughout the week, but be praying for your elders, because there's a lot going on in our church body, which is a great thing. But pray that we have wisdom and that we um, make the right decisions. So that was kind of chapter one in a nutshell. I'm just kind of catching people up to speed. We talked about chapter two, we kind of turned the tables a little bit, right? If you remember, if you were here, we talked about some of you that are older, older men, you have to take on the responsibility of teaching the younger men and what to teach. Talked about older women, teaching younger women. And then we also talked about what younger women need to do and what younger men need to do and some of the responsibilities that go with that. And that was all encompassed on sound doctrine, right? And that sound doctrine we agreed was the Bible. You know, we agreed that that's part of it. But also just good teaching, teaching about the faith, teaching about what's important, what doctrinally truths that we need to have. And so that was chapter 2. And so now we kind of jump into chapter 3, and again, this is a letter that was written to a church that was in a tough area, right? Crete was not an easy place to be a Christian. They had attacks from within the church. They had attacks from outside the church. And so Paul wants Titus to reach not only that generation around them. And again, the church, as I've said before, it's not one big building like we have here. These were small groups throughout an area. And so Titus has gotten this charge, Paul is instructing him, and here's what he needs to do. And so we pick it up in chapter 3. And I've titled this morning, Doing What is Good. 
right? It's interesting, the ladies even had that song that God is good. But you know what? When I started studying this, good is, to me, is like, it's ambiguous. It's a big term. What is good? How do I know what is good? And so we're going to look at that this morning, and maybe I can try to help answer that question a little bit of what is good. So, remind the people to be subject to the rules and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good. There's that word again. To slander no one, to be peaceable, to be compassionate, to show true humility toward all men. All right, so it gives us a little glimpse in that, right? Part of that being good is respecting the authorities that God has placed over us. Does that mean that we respect the authorities even though we don't agree with them? Remember, they're under Roman rule. Uh, Crete was a, a tough area. They may not have had good leaders. But unless that leader is asking you to sin, we are to submit to them, right? To respect them, respect the position. And so that's an important difference. Again, to be peaceable, that's important. As Christians, we tend to do a much better job of witnessing if we are peaceable, if we get along, and we, we are not seen as troublemakers. Certainly not denying our faith, but being obedient to those who have been put, placed over us, those that are in charge. Certainly that goes within the church. Again, we've talked about the elders in that part, but even outside of the church, we have that responsibility. Um, to be compassionate another one here. Ready to do whatever is good, but uh, to slander no one, to be peaceable, to be compassionate, and show humility towards them. Again, being humble, right? Being humble is, because we, we talked earlier on about, right? God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. We need to be humble in our heart, humble in how we treat others, especially those within the body, but even more so to those outside. And so we have to place ourselves in that position, all right, let's go on a little bit more. Kind of just giving us a glimpse. Again, under the guides of doing what is good. One time you were, too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. You lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. Let's stop right there. It's a good reminder Right? Every once in a while, we need to take stock of that. We need to take a reminder of ourselves. Remember what we were before Christ. Right? It's not a bad thing. Sometimes we forget. In fact, one of the reasons I, I really do believe that we have communion, and we're going to take that this morning, is that reminder that we were sinners and we needed a Savior. Again, how we were before. Here's another thing I've learned. We cannot put Christian expectations on unbelievers. I know that sounds simple, right? But have you ever fallen to that? When you're, you're out in public and you're in an area that are non-Christians, and we expect, well, we expect them to be kind and courteous and, and believing, and, and guess what? They disappoint us. Because guess what? They, they don't have the tools. They're not capable of those things. But at least our pride gets involved that we think we've got it all together as Christians is a reminder, right? Hey, don't forget, you once were right there with them. I think that helps with the compassion greatly. So it's that constant reminder of, hey, only by the grace of God am I where I am today. 
sad thing. Sometimes we even as Christians need that reminder because sometimes even Christians don't act like Christians. And so we need to be spurred on in that area. And that goes back to earlier about teaching and those things. And then I love here, and this is not random. This letter has this in here often, but Paul sticks this in here as a reminder. I think this is the third time that he reminds us of that salvation. Look at here in, the, in verse. It says, but when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, He saved us. Not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy, He saved us through the washing of the rebirth and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by His grace, we might become heirs, having uh, hope of eternal life. Again, that constant reminder, right? It's nothing that we did. Remember we talked about sound doctrine, right? One of the doctrines that are still out there today, right? If I do enough good, when I get to the pearly gates, God's going to say, oh, well, he was a good person. You did more good than you did bad, right? And then he'll let you in. That's not sound doctrine. That's totally false, right? You cannot do enough good. Even if you only had one sin, you could not do enough good in a lifetime to earn your way to heaven. It's always that reminder that it's only by the grace of God. And it's only what Jesus did on the cross. It's the only way we have any hope of eternal life. And that's a sound doctrine. That's, that takes the pressure off, really, in many ways. Because somebody has to pay the penalty for that, that sin. Do I want to pay it? Or do I want to let Jesus pay it? Again, communion, we're going to celebrate that. Yet it's also a good reminder, Easter is coming up, right? And it's not about the Easter bunny at all. Certainly, kids can enjoy the candy and that, but really, it's about what Jesus did on the cross. And then, not only did he die on the cross, but that he rose again. Again, that hope, that hope is not a wish. That hope is a promise that we too can have eternal life. Lily now has that hope. She now has that promise. That's what's important. Again, the reminder is stuck in here for all of us. Certainly, this was part of what Paul wanted Titus to teach in the church as a reminder of the grace of God. And I think the, the key here, maybe just part of it, I'm going to get a little bit more to it, but that doing good question, because that's still on my mind, right? How do we do, how do, we do good? And what does good mean? God gives us a gift. He gives us the ability to know how to do good, right? And I think the key or part of that is right here is the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we forget about that. In fact, we even talked about that in membership class. It's probably the one area out of the core values we sometimes forget about is that we've been empowered by the Holy Spirit. And have you ever had this happen to you? Have you ever had two good choices, right? Bad and you can make a case for either one. You ever had two good? We're not talking good and bad. Good and bad is pretty easy. Most of the time, you know, if it's a sin issue, we can make a, a good choice versus a, a sin choice. But, but what if you have two good choices? Right? Even in our church, you look at how many studies are going on and how many small groups, and you know, those are all good things, but which one? Are we, are we supposed to be at all of them? I, if someone was going to all of them, I might question them and say, you might be going to too much, but they're all good. But how do you make that decision? What helps you decide which is good or 
All right, I'll go my, my bad English. My more gooderer. There we go. What's best? All right? But we, yeah, how do you make those decisions? You have to rely on the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we have those difficult decisions in life, and we need help in that. And a lot of times it's a matter of just taking time, slowing down the process, and really speaking with the Holy Spirit and listening. I always say this. I always kind of add that in there. I'm, I'm guilty of this. That's why I know this well. As I pray, and I just, I'm telling God, and I'm rattling things off, but you know what? I don't take the same amount of time to stop and listen for the answer. Sometimes that's key to our prayers. In fact, a while back we did a challenge. I was in a men's group and we did a challenge of for every minute you pray, take five minutes to listen. Do you know how hard that is for a guy that's busy or a guy that's running around or a lady that's busy? To stop and just really listen, clear your minds. And I'm talking guys, I'm not talking about going to the nothing box. I'm actually talking about going to a box that's listening. PJ says it's hard. You know, she's got so many things going in her mind, but... No, but take that time and really listen. That's how we know what's good and what's better. That's how we make those decisions. All right, I've kind of given you a lot there about the, the good, but again, it's a reminder here as we go through this. And then Paul shifts gear here a little bit in this, and he says, this is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. I kind of want to focus in on the last part of that, because again, we talked about what the good is, but devoting themselves to doing what is good, these things are excellent and profitable for me, right? Is that what it says? Profitable for me. I get out of it, right? No, it's not what it says, right? For everyone. You want to know that you're heading the right path, a lot of times, what we do needs to be focused not only on ourselves, really, but on others. Especially, this works well in the, the context of the church body, right? Good things. How does it profit those around us? How does it profit, is that a good, how does it profit my wife? How does it profit those that I come in connection with? How, is that a good thing that helps others? Or is it a good thing only for me? And I'm not saying that God doesn't give us some good things, but I think sometimes we need to be a little bit more outwardly focused. And so that's, it helps that reminder. So I don't think it's by accident that's in there, right? It's profitable for everyone. Everyone that we come in contact, those around us, those things are important. And then as he likes to do, he gives us a positive, and then he kind of gives us the, the be careful, watch out for this, right? It says, but avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law, because these are unprofitable, and useless. Warn a divisive person once, and then warn him a second time. After that, have nothing to do with him. You may be sure that such a man is warped and sinful. He is self-condemned. Right? Be careful about arguing. I have yet, and again, maybe someone you've had that experience, but I've yet to argue anyone into the kingdom. Right? I've never been able to argue someone and convince them that they needed Jesus. Usually the argument is usually around another believer, and we're arguing over stuff that really doesn't edify either one of us, doesn't edify certainly those that are around us that hear it. You know, that's always the, the Christian, right? You Christians don't even get along. You fight among yourselves, right? Well, sometimes we are guilty of that. And so we have to be careful of that, about what is really important and what's really not important. 
What doesn't need to be argued out? I had a gentleman, this, not in this church, but in another church, and he started coming to our church, him and his family. Good guy, and not, again, I'm not questioning his salvation, but I literally had nine meetings with him in 13 weeks. And these weren't just little meetings. These were in my office, one-on-one, and it was an argument, and it was a struggle, and it was, you know, drag out, and it would be about the way we did it service, uh, the words I used, the, 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 the version of the Bible I used, um, how I came about it, what day of the week that we were worshiping on, all those things. And we would, you know, we'd go at it for a couple hours, and I was exhausted, and I don't think I was any closer in a relationship with him, and, and we weren't getting anywhere. And finally, this is one of those people that I had to say, you know what, this is becoming divisive. And I said, if you really disagree with all these things, why are you here? I had to make that. I said, why are you here? And he looked at me and says, I don't know. I said, then you probably need to leave. Yes, I actually asked someone to leave a church because it was becoming divisive. And there were some people that would agree with some of the things. It's rare. Again, it happened. And it was causing problems within our church body. And so... Again, I, it, it happens not only in Scripture, but it can happen today as well. We have to be careful what things that we really get embroiled with and that we argue. So I give you that example. Again, it hasn't happened here, but it may. It may come to that point. So again, he certainly had opportunities. Um, he still, became, you know, still remained a friend with me, but again, we couldn't worship together. Just, we couldn't be in the same church body together. And so that happens uh, within our churches as well. And so be aware of that and, and be careful that you don't get caught up in that as well. And then Paul rounds out the letter here. And he closes out this letter. And again, he gives some instructions. He's got a couple of guys here that, that he wants them to come uh, to Nicopolis with him because I've decided to winter there. Do everything you can to help Zenos, the lawyer, and Apollos on their way. And we see that they have everything they need. Our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good in order that they may provide for daily necessities and not live unproductive lives. Everyone with me sends you their greetings. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. Again, this is one letter that was read in its entirety, but he's kind of wrapping it up, bringing it around, and saying, devote yourself to doing what is good. And again, we, we tried to answer that question this morning a little bit about what is good. And again, there are a lot of good things. Again, hopefully you've caught the, the drift here of how we need to discern what is good and what is best. Listening through prayer, Holy Spirit. Again, not talking about good and bad. We're talking about good and good. And so we need that, to have that wisdom and devote the thing. And it also told us about the things that we shouldn't do, arguing those things out. And again, you see the love here that, that Paul has. He sends his greetings. And again, he has some, basically, he has some missionaries coming through. He's got some other men that he's been training. They're coming through and he's saying, hey, provide for their needs, take care of them, help them along their ways. Right? And we do that here in the Alliance. A lot of that we do by, by missions giving. Right? by giving financially, or if they come, we provide a meal. You say, that's a simple thing, but you know what? That's not a simple thing. And in this culture, it was very important, because a meal means that we're in fellowship together, we want to spend time together, we want to invest in you. We generally, we like you. We like to do those things for you. And again, we're going to be doing that next week with Teen Challenge, right? 
It's not all about the meal. And these guys, you know, yeah, they're, they're hungry. They're going to want to eat. But it's so we can spend a little more time with them, that we can encourage them. So it's a little bit more than that. Again, we're also going to be taking a love offering to provide for some of the needs of Teen Challenge. These things are important. And again, Paul is instructing these, this church to do the same thing. And then there's a little warning there, too, about not being unproductive, right? Doing what's good so that you may provide for your daily necessities and not live unproductive lives. It's, it's okay to work. You need to work. It's, a, it's part of it. And, and we work a lot of times so that we can share with others. And that's part of that, being productive and being encouraging to these brothers that are going through. So again, we come to the end, and I'm somewhat saddened that we've come to the end of this little series in Titus. Don't worry, there's plenty more books in the Bible. We'll get to them eventually, so no. right on, yeah. But it's been a good study. It's been a good instruction. Um, not only the church is there in Crete, but obviously you can see there's a lot of things that we can take from that even today and to put into practice here at Pointway. And again, I would encourage you to, to read back through that maybe in the next couple of weeks. Read it all in its entirety. Study it out. So that you may be encouraged and so that you know what is good and what is best. And so that we would be, we have not only strong leadership, we'd have a strong church and a doctrinally sound church body here as well. Bow with me, please. Lord, as we gracious and heavenly Father, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word. And Lord, as we've been studying the, the church, the church is in Crete, Lord. Lord, help us not to be apathy towards them, Lord, and that we would look at our own lives and say, Lord, what is the good that you want me to do? Lord, how can we strengthen and profit those around us, Lord? How can we help those here in this community. Lord, help us not to forget that we were only one step away from being just like the rest of the world. If it wasn't for what you did on the cross for us and us accepting that payment for sin, that your grace was poured out on us. Lord, we just thank you for that. And Lord, we celebrate and we, we join with you in that resurrection, that hope of eternal life with you. Lord, as we come to the communion table, I just ask, Lord, that if there is someone here this morning that does not know you, as Alyssa had mentioned, Lord, if there's someone here that does not know that they are a child of God, that today would be the day that they would accept you and that they would put their trust in you, Lord, and they would become a child of God. And Lord, I just thank you again for this morning. I thank you for this time. I ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.